right now we're going to be talking about depression. It's a common and serious medical illness that negatively affects how you feel, the way you think, and how you act. The good news is, is that it's treatable. Depression causes feelings of sadness or a loss of interest in activities once enjoyed. And it may lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. And it may impact your ability to function at work. And it may negatively impact your relationship. I have two guests in this segment. One is Dr. Karash Adelati. He's a psychiatrist from Elumine Brain Centers. And also Steve, who has suffered with depression. But I'd like to just say, if you would like to give us a call about somebody that you care about or love who is suffering or you might think might be suffering from depression, feel free. The number to call is 1-877-399-9898. Or you can email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com, and I can read your question on the air. You can also text us at that number, 1-877-399-9898. So I'll just welcome my guests who are on the line. Good evening, Dr. Adelotti. Hello, Maureen. How are you? Good. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And then do we have Steve on the line as well? Hey. Hi, Maureen. Hey, How are you? I'm good, thanks, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, thanks for joining the program, both of you. Um, so depression affects women more than it affects men. Dr. Edelotti, is that a fair statement? That is a fair statement. Yet it may have a different impact on men in part because of this uh, expectation of male masculinity and and it can be associated with weakness or somebody, a diagnosis of depression. It is still stigmatized mental illness, unfortunately, um, but it can be associated with uh, weakness. So, Steve, you've suffered from depression in the past. I have, yeah. Three times in my life, doctors have asked me how I'm treating my depression and I always got another doctor. I just changed doctors. It's not something I wanted to admit to myself, which is very common with men. We don't want to look weak. We're embarrassed. We, we, it's, a, it's a game for us. We, we, it's a job. Having depression and not admitting to yourself is a full-time job. And, and how did you feel? Did it, did it, because it, they say that depression is a physical illness. And so did you feel physically unwell? I had situational depression where events in my life would bring it on. So, you know, for the most part, my friends would never notice. Uh, my wife, I've been with her, her for 36 years. I only sat down a couple of years ago and told her I, that I had depression. And she said, I know. I know. She goes, I knew when we first met that you suffered and it's not something you ever wanted to talk about. It's, it's definitely a struggle when you can't recognize your own symptoms. And that was a challenge for me most of my life. Right. Um, Dr. Edelotti, is that something that first first question I have is if somebody suffers a depressive disorder, say at 13, uh, that goes untreated, are they more likely to have recurrent episodes as time goes on? Absolutely. In fact, that is one of the risk factors for continuing depression down down the road. And uh, and so men who have depression, you heard Steve say it and Steve, thank you so much for sharing your story. Why is it so difficult um, and for men to admit that they might have a problem like this? So one of the things that we often see is that anxiety and depression are comorbid. Um, and oftentimes the feelings of overwhelm uh, where uh, 
especially in you know for for uh, a lot of men, they feel that they have it on them to uh, be the caregiver or the, it, or taking care of everybody else. And so because of that uh, self-inflicted uh, uh, stigma, uh, oftentimes we feel overwhelmed when we cannot uh, step up to the plate or when, when the load is uh, sometimes really too much for us to handle. That feeling of overwhelm will eventually translate into um, anxiety and, and depression. And so can people get um, depleted essentially like that if you're worrying a lot and you may have financial issues and there may be demands placed on you? Uh, is is it this? I, I hear from men in my clinical practice, sometimes they feel this this pressure that nobody else knows about, that they have this secret pressure. Yes, Marie, that's very true. And uh, one thing I want to ma- make a distinction here is um, situational depression sometimes in, in psychiatry referred to as adjustment uh, uh, difficulties or adjustment disorder and uh, major depressive disorder. Um, so when we have uh, too much to cope with at, at a, g- a given time, basically it over, um, uh, it's, it's above and over what we have as resilience uh, or the ability to cope then we would feel helpless, we would feel anxious, we would feel depression, all of our uh, reserves would be depleted. But that's uh, generally um, for a period of time. And if we can get through that period of time, oftentimes um, the mood bounces back and, and we get out of that depressive episode. Uh, with uh, major depressive disorder, oftentimes this is not the case. It's basically like this dark tunnel that never ends. Uh, and um, oftentimes, people need professional help to uh, get whatever treatment is necessary to get out of it. Steve, I do want to ask you, you mentioned that you had situational depression. Was there something at age 13 uh, going on? Yeah. Well, that was my first, uh, the first time that I experienced uh, those symptoms of sadness, just heavy, heavy sadness as a kid. And, you know, I thought about taking my own life. I got beat up on my first day of high school. I wanted to blend in. And that was the very first time that I had actually thought about suicide and taking my own life. And I think when I look back and now that I've been through clinical therapy, anxiety and depression are actually a bit of an alarm clock. It means your system's actually working. It's telling you something is wrong. So now when I get symptoms, I'll call up a clinical counselor and say, hey, I'm in this anxiety attack. What do I do? But it doesn't scare me like it did before because before I ignored it. And it was a heavy feeling of sadness that would last a long time, but it'd be brought on by an event for me. And, and some of those it, symptoms, Dr. Edelotti, are that people who have depression uh, may experience from mild to severe. What, what can they include? People feeling sad, hopeless, like Steve was mentioning, um, sometimes uh, feeling extremely tired, difficulty with their sleep. You know, that hopelessness can translate. It could be very dangerous, especially for men, into depression because... Um, on average, women um, and men who uh, attempt suicide, men mostly uh, succeed with it. So it is a dangerous path. And uh, the other uh, major symptom, of course, is the dip in mood uh, that can present itself in so many different ways. Uh, it could be irritability as opposed to sadness. It could be uh, extreme anger. Um, sometimes it could be escapist behavior. So people could be spending time away from family, mostly at work, 
or doing things that uh, doesn't involve uh, you know their typical activities, their interests, or or uh, socializing. Uh, so those are the um, those those last symptoms that I mentioned are oftentimes the ones that I worry about the most because that means that um, the individual is not really trying to get help; it's trying to um, hide it somehow uh, and not really admit to having depression. And one thing that Steve brought up is is trauma. Uh, he mentioned that he had some bullying episodes, and oftentimes, um, you know, it it really digs into our self worth and um, our ability to make sense of you know why somebody would be picking on me, per se, and if uh, the resilience, the coping mechanisms are not there after the event, oftentimes that translates into um, depression. Right. Something else that I hear from a lot of men in my clinical practice who have suffered from depression or who are presently suffering from depression is that they, and and this isn't something that is perhaps as troublesome, if you will, as as suicidal thoughts, but it really gives them a lot of pain. And that is they suffer from, well, this worthlessness, but also guilt. They feel tremendously guilty uh, that it, you know, it makes them sick to their stomach almost. And and I know that abdominal pain is another, can be one of the physical symptoms of of depression. So why do they have that guilt? It's it's almost shame, Maureen. Mm -hmm. You feel shameful. You just feel like you're letting the world down. That's the feeling right there. Like you're letting the world down. And is that the result, Dr. Edelotti, of a neurotransmitters, biology? What is that the result of? So oftentimes uh, what we have, uh, a reduced level of is a neurotransmitter called serotonin uh, in our brain. Uh, and this can happen for a number of reasons. Um, uh, obviously, uh, it, you know, the, the question, of course, is the chicken or the egg, which one came first, depression first, and then we identify that there's low levels of neurotransmitter in the body and the brain or whether it's the other way around. Um, and this chemical um, is very important to replenish. Um, and um, the medications that are out there right now for depression, this is what they do. Uh, classical SSRIs, they, they basically replete this, med- this uh, chemical. Steve has shared his story to thousands of firefighters across North America and speaks to corporations as well. Steve is sharing his story of depression. So thanks, guys, for hanging on the line with me. Um, and this question is kind of for both of you, but um, I uh, recently I, I like to give examples. And so I, I do healthcare and clinical, and but I also sometimes do consulting for companies in healthcare. And so I was in a meeting and it was somebody attended this before the pandemic, somebody attended uh, on Zoom and somebody said, how are you? And the person said, um, really depressed, but don't worry. I'm okay. I'm lighting candles. I'm walking in the woods. I'm meditating. And, and you could see the sadness and someone said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear, hear that. Why? And, and the, the person said, well, the, the, the short story is something I can't remember. And the long story is my childhood. And so this was in a business meeting. And, and so several, uh, months went on where this person would attend and and the depression never got better. A lot of people believe that they that that medications aren't the treatment and it's not necessarily for everybody, but will candles and walking in the woods and and meditation 
maybe meditation as part of the treatment, but what is the actual treatment for? And the other thing I see people doing is excessive exercise and they seem to get worse over a period of time. Anyway, I'd like you both to comment on that if you don't mind. So, um, First of all, they have to rule out uh, any medical causes. I, I didn't have people having hypothyroidism or any nutritional deficiencies might actually have depression because of that. But to uh, just talk about uh, treatment, uh, there are two types of treatments. One addresses the cause and really involves uh, digging deeper, basically. And the second one, of course, the symptoms. Uh, and I believe that both are very important. So when somebody's uh, really having a difficult time with depression in terms of uh, acute symptoms, I believe that uh, medications can be very helpful. They can help a person um, come out of that uh, kind of dark hole, uh, be able to interact again, and oftentimes seek more uh, support, more therapy, uh, which can really address uh, those underlying issues. Uh, so the the person who mentioned childhood, oftentimes they, what they're talking about is uh, what they experienced in childhood in terms of trauma. And um, a lot of times uh, those causes don't just go away by themselves. They have to be brought to light and um, counseling, psychotherapy, talk therapy, uh, oftentimes uh, bring those uh, to light for the person. Right. Thank you very much. And Steve, what worked for you? When I was at my worst, I was in a state of psychosis. I hadn't slept in four days. And I understood through clinical counseling how important sleep was. And then the job that I did as a firefighter, I'd get post-traumatic stress injuries. But a lot of it was related to my childhood, not dealing with things in my past. So once I went to talk therapy and a good clinical counselor got inside my head and kind of changed my perception on my entire life, I was able to become stronger and And I realized for myself how important sleep was. And I worked very hard at getting good sleep. And now that I've done that in my life, my resiliency is like I'm an eight, eight and a half out of 10. It's made a massive difference in my life. And like you said, Maureen, I talked to firefighters, a very tough culture. 80% of firefighters feel they'll be looked at as weak or unfit for duty if they tell anybody. So I talk to them and say, you don't have to tell anybody. You just need to recognize you have depression and you need to go for help. You don't need to tell anybody. And that's kind of my message when I go to speak to people. I just empower, you know, talk around mental health and, you know, suicide. I I openly talk about it. Absolutely. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming on the show, Steve, and sharing your story. Thank you so much. And and Dr. Edelotti, how can people get in touch with you at your fabulous Brain Centers for Excellence? Uh, Our website simply uh, www.elumind.com dot ca or dot com either one is good uh, and uh, we're more than happy to talk to them uh, we have also a phone number that's 604 220 